If you look in your worship folder today, you'll see the powerful words of the prophet Isaiah. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God is rising upon you. It's a powerful prophecy and a powerful vision of our call for this new year. You can also say it this way. Be fabulous. Let that love shine from the inside out because God is with you and rising among you. This is the Sunday of the Epiphany of Christ, a Sunday where we celebrate the metaphor of light. And metaphor really, and light really is one of the most powerful metaphors in all of Scripture. On the first day of creation, God said, let there be light. And it was light that guided the Israelites into the promised land. It was the light of the Messiah that opened up new possibilities for all people. Light. Light is hope and light is life. Light brings growth. Light illuminates the way. Light helps us see possibilities. Celebrate the light. One of the images I love in the scripture from Isaiah is how it describes all the nations coming together. It describes what would amount to a giant parade a parade of peace, a parade of unity. It describes camels and dromedaries. And what's a dromedary? You may be wondering, what's a dromedary when you saw that in the scripture today? It's not like a dramatic camel. A dromedary <laughs> is, is actually, they are young camels who, who move fast because they're excited and they're going somewhere. And that's the image before us for this year. That when people come to this place, they will know that resurrection is a place that celebrates the audacity of hope, the audacity of light, promise and joy and possibilities. And we don't leave it here. We take it with us into the world. It's a wonderful description. But how do you actually make that description real? Isaiah doesn't quite explain it. But the good news is, Matthew does in today's gospel. And when you look at today's gospel in Matthew, also printed in your worship folder, you'll see that there is an underlying question. And the underlying question is, the light is there, but how will we respond to it? In the scripture today, you're going to see three responses to light. The responses are conveyed through three different characters. And the first character we're going to look at is King Herod. How does Herod respond to light? He blocks it. In fact, he tries to kill it. Herod is a light blocker. And that's one of the potential responses to light. All of us have met light blockers in our life. Those people who just can't quite see the vision are the people who say we've tried it before and it didn't work why try again you can't do it you're not good enough go to the end of the line sit back down shut up we've all heard the light blockers we've seen the light blockers well that was Herod Herod had a whole history 
of trying to destroy the light. He had his place of power, and he didn't want anyone to dethrone him. He actually had his own sons murdered because he perceived them as a threat to his throne. So in today's scripture, when the Magi come to Jerusalem because they have received word that there is a star beckoning a potential leader, and they ask where this leader is, when Herod gets wind of that, his first response is, how do I get rid of that? How do I protect myself? Herod was furious at the possibility that someone might try to get his throne. And so he became a light blocker. Hear this little description of Herod here. No big shocker that Herod is not pleased. It has always been the case that the presence in the world of that which is most godly evokes the resistance of that which is most insidious. When tender grace bursts upon the scene, the harsh forces of selfishness array against it. So Herod frantically plots to destroy the tender but mighty one who threatens his throne. Herod has a thousand faces. Herod is alive today in any one or anything that leads you away from being overwhelmed with the joy God wants you to have. The joy that comes from being who you truly are where you really and truly want to be and doing what you really and truly want to do. The fear of Herod is not worth comparing to the delights of trusting the deep inner experience of joy that is the gift of God and moving courageously, confidently in that direction. God's dream and desire for us is for us to live in the center of that joy. In fact, the gospel describes it as being overjoyed. And yet Herod has a thousand faces. And every one of those faces wants to block the light. And let's face it, sometimes Herod is that person looking back at us when we look in the mirror. We see ourselves, and all we see are the flaws. Though the gift is there, though the brilliance is inherent, we listen to the messages that we've received throughout our lives that have made us toxic at times on the inside. Here it is, January 6th, and I've read some reports on resolutions. (laughs) And um, I don't know, like 30% of the people who have made resolutions have now given them up. It's, it's potentially because you, know, you look in the mirror and you just say, I can't do it. I've tried before. Why should I apply for that position? I know I'm not going to get hired. I got turned down the last time. Why should I try to get this degree? I only made it through my second year the last time. Why should I try again? I've already been through three or four relationships. Why is the fifth one going to work? I've been disappointed. I've been let down. I've been turned down. I've been pushed back. That's the voice of Herod. You're fat and you're going to stay fat. How many of us have given ourselves that message? (laughs) You know? 
they, they say that's the number one resolution is the fat thing. You know, and, and I've been working on that. You've all seen me go up and down and up and down and in and out and ballooning out. And fortunately, these robes are one size fit most. <laughs> and I've come close to not even being most. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you look in the mirror and all you see is pizza <laughs> and ice cream sundaes. That's Herod talking. They say that it takes 17 tries <laughs> to actually succeed. I think this is my 17th year of making the, the diet resolution, so we're going to make it this time. But anything that takes us off course, that dissuades us from our dream, anything that distracts us from our vision is the face of Herod. It's time to put Herod in his place and say, maybe you were king of Judea, but you are not king of me. Some of us grew up in congregations that were full of Herods. One wrong move and you were going to hell. Toxic religion. And some of us have embodied that. And the audacity of hope and the audacity of grace, the breath of eternal salvation just seems too good to be true. And Herod says, it is too good to be true. Go back to your room. Shut up. Sit down. You're not good enough. You're not going to make it. Our community is starving for a congregation that says you can be whole and you can live your vision. In fact, you can go beyond that. You can be fabulous. And that's okay. You can rise to new heights. There are some that would seek to steal our vision and steal our joy. And to those King Herod, Herods, I would say, you are messing with the wrong queen. <laughs> All right. There are the light blockers, the Herods. Now there's another response to light. And it's the response of the Magi. They see the light. And it calls them to the ancient prophecies. They'd been taught that when there was a constellation of stars or a light that was particularly bright, that it was a sign of hope. And in their time, it was a sign of the birth of an important person. And so those early magi began to follow that star. According to their ancient traditions, the star would of course be over Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the seat of power. And so they went there expecting to find the gift in that place. When they got there, they found out that they were off by nine miles. <laughs> that something new was happening. In fact, this star was not pointing to things as they had always been where the rich get richer and the powerful become more powerful. This star, in fact, was heralding a new day, a new hope, a day when the rich and the poor could come together. It was not the star of Jerusalem, a star of oppression and power, but a star of humility over a humble hamlet called Bethlehem. And so they followed that star. They drew on a deeper wisdom. What's interesting in all of this is it wasn't all laid out for them ahead of time. 
They simply followed the star each moment, and they went where it called them. A little bit more about the Magi. The wisdom of the Magi is a deep wisdom. The Magi represent forever and for all of us the wisdom that recognizes human life to be a journey taken in search of one who calls us beyond ourselves into faithful service, one to whom we offer our best gifts, flawed and unworthy though they be. The Magi were overwhelmed with joy because they recognized that they had arrived at the place where they were meant to be, the place where they were most themselves, the place where they could say that they were at home. They had arrived at the place where the divine and human meet. They had arrived at the place where heaven and earth come together. Mm. Herod blocked the light. The Magi followed the light. And where did it lead them? It led them to the place where heaven and earth met. Follow the light and it will take you to that place of life and hope and wholeness and grace. It led them to a place they never dreamed of. It led them to the place where they met a child who would ultimately change the world. They followed the light. They followed that inner voice. They followed that guidance that they knew was clear. And that, again, is our call, not to be light blockers, but light followers. Again, they only got enough light for the next step. I think sometimes we get frustrated following the inner voice and following the light because we prefer to have everything laid out. We want the whole plan. We want to follow it from beginning to end, and we want to know where the end is so we know where we're going. And yet so often we only have enough light for a given moment. A friend of mine, a pastor of the church in Dayton, she was going through a period in her life where her relationship was taking all of her energy. And she got towards Sunday and she was so consumed by her relationship problems that she couldn't even think of what she was going to preach. So she found herself on Saturday calling out to God, help me! How can I offer anything to my congregation when I'm so empty myself? What am I going to do? Show me the next step. Help me, God. And this is what she heard. Go brush your teeth. (laughs) It was clear. She knew what to do next. That wasn't so overwhelming. And then when she was brushing her teeth, the next message came. Go open the Bible. Try that. And step by step, call by call, she got enough light for a given moment. And when she faced her congregation the next day, yes, she was still preaching from a place of emptiness, but it was also a place of light. And God worked through her and moved through her. If you're overwhelmed by a situation today, looking for direction, needing light, crying out, God, help me. 
probably your next step is not something big and huge and expensive and demanding and taxing. It's probably something very simple, perhaps as simple as brush your teeth. (laughs) God promises to give us enough light for the next step if we'll simply follow the light. All right, we've seen Herod. We've seen the Magi. So who's left in this scripture? Us. Where do we fit in? One of the calls when studying scripture is to find ourselves in that scripture. Some of us will see ourselves aligned with Herod because we're dealing with fear. We're trying to protect ourselves. We will see ourselves standing right there with the Magi. But we're called to ask ourselves, if Herod was a light blocker and the Magi were light followers, then who are we called to be? I propose that we are called to be light carriers, taking the gifts that God has given us and audaciously and hopefully sharing them with everyone we meet. Sharing a gift of hope in every conversation, every phone call, every email, every moment, living and breathing the love and the gifts that are in us. Oh, the Magi, they they traveled from regions far away. We're called to travel from the regions in our own soul, our own hearts. So what will keep us from sharing the gifts carrying light to our world. Let's go back to something I touched on. It's fear that stands in the way. Fear and faith, they can go together if we have the audacious hope and courage to do so. When we find ourselves filled with fear, does that mean our faith has abandoned us? Are fear and faith incompatible? I don't see how that can be true. Fear and courage are certainly not incompatible. It takes no courage at all to endure something which one is not afraid of. A hero is one who stands firm, even though she is afraid. One who accepts his fear and goes ahead and does it. Do we think that Miss Rosa Parks was not afraid when she refused to yield her seat on that bus? That Dietrich Bonhoeffer was not afraid when he accepted Martha? hands of the Nazis, or that Nelson Mandela was not afraid, and we, ourselves, when we face times of trouble and uncertainty, feel a clutch of fear right there in our throats. Does that fear mean that we are not people of faith? No. It just means that we have something pretty powerful to pray about, Mm. right then and there. Fear is far from being an opposite. Fear is the powerful call to faith. Fear is a call to faith. Fear is a call to prayer. Fear is a call to be faithfully fabulous. To be who God's created us to be. And to offer ourselves unconditionally. What gifts do we bring? They're very much aligned with the gifts of the Magi. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we're called to bring these same gifts. In ancient times, gold was associated with royalty. Only royalty could receive the gift of gold. 
But we bring that gift when every person we see, we see through the eyes of God. For you see, we are all beloved and royal daughters and sons of God. Our welcome ministry has the potential to let every person who comes to this place know that they are a jewel created by God. So let us carry the light, the light of the gift of gold. And then frankincense. And in ancient times, frankincense was an incense used in worship. When people came into a worship service in ancient times, they would walk in and they would say, it smells like God in here. That becomes our possibility to change the atmosphere everywhere we go, to do it through force of attitude, by the presence we offer, that when people are around us or in this place or in places that we go, they would smell God, sense God, sense that presence. And the third gift was the gift of myrrh. In ancient times, myrrh was used as an ointment for healing. It was a rare and precious gift. We live in a community and a world that is searching and craving healing. So our call as we carry this light is to bring the gift of myrrh, the gift of healing. Our call is clear. We know whose we are. We are called to offer these gifts, to carry the light. Not to be light blockers, but light followers and light carriers. Amen. As the ushers come forward to collect the offering, would you go to God with me in prayer? God, we know that there are light blockers, light followers, and light carriers in this congregation and in this world. But may we be people of my light, as you refer to us in Scripture. As we prepare to offer to you a portion of what you have given to us, may we dare to dream. May we carry that light. May all who touch this plate be blessed. May we offer up all that we have with joy and without fear. For you are a God who takes what we offer and multiplies it so that we can go forth ministering in this community and in this world so that others will know that there is a God who cares and a God who is with them. In the name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen.